at the Sunday paper this morning. Our, our paper guy just throws it out on the front lawn. However, especially on a rainy day like today, it's wrapped up in plastic, you know, so it won't get all wet. But I went out there to pick up the Sunday paper today, and it was gone. The plastic wrapper was there, but somebody had walked off with my newspaper and just left the plastic wrapping there, obvious evidence of the fact that it had been there but was now gone. Well, I wasn't really interested in the paper anyway. But those sale ads, you know, the, the Sunday paper is just absolutely full of those sale ads. In fact, in our little hometown paper here in Columbia, the Sunday paper is more about the sale ads than it is about the paper because there's not much in the paper. But man, all those sale ads, because we want a bargain, right? That's what we're really looking for. We want to get a bargain. We, we love sales, you know. And so we're always looking for, where's the, where's the big sale this week? In our town, and maybe lots of others, a lot of these liquidation places have sprung up. And maybe some of you, uh, in fact, I know that some of you are really into these liquidation places, you know, where you can go and get things at real, real bargain prices. There's one in town where the price goes lower. Every day the price gets lower. And, you, and if you're willing to take a chance and leave that there today, you might get it at a cheaper price tomorrow if somebody hadn't already bought it. But, you know, we're constantly looking for a bargain. We really want a bargain. I'm concerned that that mentality, wanting something at a cut-rate price, is carried over by many people into the realm of religion. And I think there are a lot of people who are looking for a bargained-priced Christianity. They want it marked down. They're not interested in paying full price. They're looking for what they want at their price. And I'll tell you something. When it comes to religious pursuits, that's completely the wrong mindset. Now, you might very well want to go out there and find a bargain on clothes or school supplies or electronics or something else. That's fine. But when it comes to serving God, we cannot afford to have this mindset of, I want it at a reduced price. Bargain price Christianity is worthless. We want to talk about that in our lesson this morning. We stop here for just a minute to thank all of you for being here. Kind of a rainy, gloomy day, but the prospect is that the sun will come out this afternoon. But regardless of that, we're glad that you're here to join with us in this period of worship to God. Above all else, we pray that he'll be honored and glorified by what we do here this morning. That's our primary objective. That's the main thing we're here to do, is to honor and glorify our Creator. We pray that that will be the case. But we also hope that each of us are built up, edified, and encouraged in important spiritual things. We hope that's accomplished, too. We thank you for being here. And for those who are visiting with us, thanks for coming. Please come again every time you have a chance. Ask any questions you have about what we're doing at College View and why we're doing it this way. Let's talk about bargain-priced Christianity. And I'm really convinced that there are some people who are looking for Christianity, but they want it marked down. For instance, some want Christianity without a standard. You know, basically, these are the kind of people who uh, would promote the notion of the church of your choice, you know. Join the church of your choice. What do you like? What do you want? Uh, and pretty much they're of the opinion that you can believe anything you want. You believe what you want. You believe what you want. I'll believe what I want. It's not the same. We're all doing different things, but it's really about what we want. Because, as they often say, all good people really are going to heaven. Really, all good people are going to heaven. It doesn't really matter what you do. Do it the way you want to do it is the notion. Now, that doesn't work. We, we actually know that that doesn't work. 
The Lord Jesus himself described some people who were going about their religious service that way. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 22, Jesus is describing the judgment scene. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonderful works in your name, or done many wonders, rather, in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Notice, they were doing what they were doing. They were doing religious works, right? They even described them. They prophesied in his name, cast out demons in his name, did wonders in his name. They were doing religious works. But Jesus says they were workers of lawlessness. They weren't doing it in accordance with law, with his authority. They weren't doing the right things. They weren't doing God's work in God's way. And they were condemned for that. And so for all these people who want Christianity without a standard, you don't have to follow any particular set of rules, do your own thing, do it however you want, we understand clearly that that does not work. You know, when we practice book, chapter, and verse kind of teaching and preaching, when we insist on a thus saith the Lord for our uh, practices, when we want to do Bible things in Bible ways, some people these days would be quick to accuse us of being legalistic. But the Scriptures tell us it must be that way. In 1 Peter 4, verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We're not interested in human opinion, think so's or philosophies. What we want is, what does the Word of God say? In John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus emphasized why this is so important. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. That's why this is so important. But there are clearly some people who are looking for Christianity without a standard. There are some people who are looking for Christianity without really making any conversion. I don't know if the name Larry Flint means anything to you. Maybe some of you who are older will remember that name. That guy is still living. My understanding is he's still living. But he has for a long time been the publisher of just some horrific pornographic magazines. He's been into pornography before pornography was even that, uh, as popular as it is in our day and time. He, he's a long-term publisher of all that sort of filth and nastiness. Back in the late 70s, Larry Flint proclaimed that he had become a born-again Christian. But what was interesting was he made no efforts to cease publishing his pornographic magazines. He wanted to claim that he was a born-again Christian, but he wanted to keep his pornography industry going. It wasn't long after that, maybe a year or two after that, that he was again announcing himself to be an atheist. So it didn't last for long, but the idea of it was he wanted Christianity, but he didn't want to change anything. He wanted Christianity, but no conversion. Again, I think a lot of people are looking for that. And so what they really want is some kind of quick religious experience, but they want to continue living as they lived before. And I tell you, that's worthless. That doesn't work. That doesn't get the job done. Instead... When we read in the New Testament, we read about something like a new birth. In John 3, 3, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's a complete new birth. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning verse 22, put off concerning the former conversation the old man, put off that old man, and put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, there's an old man. You put him off. And you become a new man. You don't keep doing the same thing. You, you can't just go on like you were going. This is conversion. 
You've got to change. In Colossians chapter 3, beginning verse 3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You have got to mortify or put to death those things in your life. And so, really being a Christian requires conversion, but a lot of people are looking for Christianity without conversion. People are looking for Christianity without any necessary commitment. Uh, I think the religious world is full of people like this. They want to identify themselves as Christians, but their real commitment is seen in what they devote themselves to. And they spend all of their time, most of their money, pursuing things that pertain to this world. Their real commitment is to the here and now, not to the hereafter. Uh, oh yes, uh, they would call themselves Christians. They'd want to identify that way. But there's little evidence of it because all of their time and money and energy is pursuing things of this world. And you find almost no emphasis in their life on spiritual things and doing the work of God. You know well, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The kind of commitment that the Lord requires is that He comes first. More than anything, more than job, more than education, more than recreation. God comes first. But few are willing to make that sort of commitment. They want a bargain-priced Christianity. Some are looking for Christianity without morality. Too many people, I suppose, view Christianity as something that you do for an hour on Sunday morning. You know, we go to church on Sunday. That's our Christianity. But the rest of the week, they do as they please. And and so, while they might like to see things in a particular way during this hour that they come to church on Sunday, what they do the rest of the week is not at all in line with that. And so, they use profanity. They, they view pornography. They dress immodestly. They drink. They dance. They, they engage in mixed swimming. It goes on and on. Because what they really want is to be called a Christian but they really don't want the moral standards that are taught in the Word of God. That's, that's not real Christianity. That's a cheap counterfeit. If you're looking for Christianity without the moral values taught in the Word of God. Some people are looking for Christianity without accountability. These are the kind of people who, again, want to be identified, but they, they don't want to be held accountable, you know. And so these are the folks who might miss services for several weeks on end, you know. But then they get upset if someone calls to see why or questions them about whether they're really being faithful to the Lord on the simple appearance of the fact that they're not attending services faithfully. Uh, we've known people who get really riled up about that, who actually get mad. Uh, they want this religious experience, but they don't want to be accountable to anybody for how they live their lives. Anyway, you could probably expand that list, but I want to suggest to you that that's the kind of Christianity a lot of people are looking for. No standard, do your own thing. No real change, no conversion, no commitment. Don't even want to live the morals that are taught in the Scriptures and they don't want anybody asking them about it. They don't want any accountability. Now, in contrast to that, I want to suggest to you that real Christianity is not bargain-prized, but that real Christianity 
is actually a costly thing. In the reading that Joseph did for us earlier from Luke chapter 9, beginning verse 23, Jesus said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? That's pretty high demand, isn't it? Wouldn't you agree that Jesus is asking us to pay a high price for being his disciple? That's very expensive. Now, in terms of material things, if you were going to go out here today, maybe you get your new, maybe somebody didn't take your newspaper off your front lawn and you got your newspaper and you found in those sale ads a really good deal on something that you've really been wanting for some time. Maybe you even go to the store and you look at it and you're sitting there pondering and you know, this for this much money, this much money for that. You know, is it worth it? Because that's really what it boils down to, right? When you're making any kind of a purchase, you want to know, is this thing that I get worth the money that I have to give up to get it? Is it a fair trade-off? Is it worth what I'm asked to pay? That's what we're doing, right? Okay, let's apply that to Christianity. This is a pretty costly price. In other words, this, this is a high price to pay. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. You've got to even be willing to lose your life for his sake. Man, that's a big demand. That's a high price to pay. But wait a minute. What am I getting for it? Well, when you think of what you're getting for it, it's definitely worth it. Let me just list a couple or a few things. In other words, uh, take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. What do you get? Well, you get redemption from the slavery of sin. That's pretty awesome, right? You, you are forgiven of that great burden of sin, which we all have. You're able to call God your Father. You have that relationship with Him. You have Jesus as your Lord and Savior and Mediator. You have God on your side. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, Paul said, Who can be against us if God is, if God is for us? God is on your side. And, of course, you have that tremendous hope of eternal life uh, to be with God forever in heaven. That's your hope, and that's, your, that's the goal you're striving for. You get, you get all these things. Now, you're asked to pay a heavy price here, but you can write a long list of all the things you get in return for paying that price. It would be well worth it. You know, when you talk about the, the high price of true New Testament Christianity... What we're asked to give is really nothing in comparison to what God has given for us, what Christ has suffered for us. You know, a, a, huge pay, a huge price has already been paid to even give us the opportunity of making this decision ourselves. You know, history is full of the accounts of people who made the decision and who paid that great price. We can go back in the, in the inspired scriptures. <coughs> And read about some of those early Christians who paid dearly in order to have the blessing of being in Christ. And beyond those inspired accounts in the New Testament of people who, for instance, even laid down their lives to be faithful disciples of the Lord. Beyond those inspired accounts, we have a lot of secular accounts in the centuries that have passed from then till now of people who paid incredibly high price to be called by the Lord's name even laying down their lives in many instances to be able to be a Christian, it's costly. 
Real Christianity is costly. And so anybody who comes along and tries to offer you an easy religion, a bargain price religion, you've got to be aware of the fact that they cannot be offering you what the Scripture really de- describes as true Christianity. But now, having said that, I want, I want to make a statement that may sound like it's contradictory to that. While real Christianity is costly, it's actually free to all. Free in the sense of available. It's something that all can participate in. You know, when we, when we find sales on items uh, at the store, you know, so, so I get my paper and I look at it, oh yeah, that, that's the thing I've been looking for and it's, it's half price today. And I rush to the store, you know what I don't find out? They don't have any. The, 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 maybe they had one or two. They were immediately snapped up. And those, those were put in the, in the sale flyer to get me into the store with hopes I'll buy something else that's even more expensive than that. Those were, well, sometimes we even use the expression they were loss leaders. In other words, they were willing to take a loss on that because they only had a few of them. But they were trying to draw people into their store. But it's not available. I wanted it real bad, but I couldn't get it. They, it wasn't there for me when I tried to obtain it. That's not the case with Christianity. Although Christianity, true Christianity is costly, it is free in the sense it's available to all who want it. Go back to that text that we're basing our considerations on in Luke chapter 9. Notice he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and so forth. Any man can come. Who are you? What's your status in life? Where have you come from? What's your relationships in this world? What do you do? Where do you live? Doesn't matter. Any man can come to Christ if you make that decision to do so. Romans chapter 2 verse 11 says there's no respect of persons with God. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4, it says that God will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. And so this is available for you. This is not a limited offer, not limited in time, except for the fact that it's limited for your lifetime. Uh, After you're dead, the offer is over. Or if the Lord would return, the offer is over. But as long as time remains and you're walking on the face of this planet Earth, this, avail- this, this offer is available to you, whoever you are. And so it's free in that sense of being available to all of us. But let me also suggest to you that in reality, real Christianity is priceless. In, in regards to a sale item, you might say... That's a pretty good deal, you know. I've really been wanting that, but I gotta tell you, uh, I just don't, even on sale, I don't think it's worth what they're asking, you know. I'm gonna wait. I'm not gonna get that because even though the sale price is better than the regularly advertised price, I still don't think it's worth what I'm asked to pay for it. I'm gonna hang on to my money because I don't think that thing is worth what they're asking. That's not the case with Christianity. Christianity is costly, but the value of it is absolutely priceless. One more time looking at this text in Luke chapter 9. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall find it. Notice, for what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? What Jesus is saying here is, this is a of greater value than anything imaginable. Uh, 
In fact, Jesus is saying this. Let's say that you are able to accumulate all the wealth in the world. You, personally, have all the wealth in the world. Gain the whole world. You know, there's some really rich people in the world. You know, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. Name some of those people who have billions and billions of dollars. They don't have all the value. They don't have all. They don't even come close to having all the worth of, of value of the world, all the world's wealth. But they're rich. What if you could be in their shape? Or you know, we've been studying on Wednesday night. We've been studying the book of Ecclesiastes, and we've talking about been talking about the incredible wealth of King Solomon. What if you could have the wealth of Solomon, which I think is probably greater than the wealth of Bill Gates or Warren Buffett? What if you had the wealth of Solomon? But to have that wealth. You have to trade your soul. Jesus said you'd be making a horrible trade-off. It wouldn't advantage you anything. What, what would you be advantaged if you gained the whole world and lost yourself, lost your soul? It wouldn't be worth it. And in that sense, what we're saying is that real Christianity results in a, a pricelessness. The value of its priceless cannot be compared to anything else. And so, bargain-priced Christianity, what do you think about it? Well... It's not a deal, right? It is, you can't do that and do it right. I want to take you, finally, I want to take you to one last text. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. You know, in the case of the rich young ruler, would you agree with me that it seemed like he was looking for something at a bit of a bargain? He wanted to follow Jesus, but he didn't want to give up his earthly wealth. He but did you notice Jesus didn't mark it down for him? Jesus didn't come back and say, well, if you can't give it all up, could you give up half of it? Could you give up half of your wealth to be my disciple? No. Jesus didn't come back to him with a reduced price to try to attract him. It's either or. You pay the price or not. Are you willing to pay the price to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus today? It's costly, but the value of it is priceless. Are you a child of God today? Have you obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation? Hearing the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not made that decision yet, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. We'd be glad to assist you in your obedience. We'd be glad to sit down and study more with you if you need that so you can make an informed decision. Let us know how we can help. If you're a Christian already, but you've not really been paying the price to be a faithful child of God, if you've been compromising, if you've fallen back, if you've not been faithful, we urge you to come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.